Miracy. Once there was a dreadful witch who lived on a mountaintop where the winds howled and the snow blew. She loved cold and frost and hated all living things. No matter how much she had to eat, she was always hungry, and her favorite meal was the human heart. The people of that land were terrified of the witch because their children kept disappearing. No one knew why, but they thought it had to do with the witch, and they were right. Hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, the Story Coach, and you're listening to Once Upon a Business. In each episode, we explore a story, a fairy tale, folk tale, or traditional story, so that we can discover the amazing lessons relevant for business and for entrepreneurs. You see, the witch had a ball that glimmered and glistened and looked prettier than any of the ordinary things in that land. When the witch saw children wandering from their homes, she'd secretly leave the ball somewhere the children would see it. Children who saw the ball were filled with desire. They wanted to touch it and hold it, but as soon as they got close, the ball would drift away like a soap bubble. The ball was magic. Whoever chased it would lose all sense of time. They would forget everyone and everything they loved. They would feel no hunger or cold. Nothing would matter except getting that ball. That was just what happened one day to a brother and sister who had gone to check on the goats. As sister trudged up the mountain, she saw something shining beneath a berry bush. Oh, she said, drawing near the ball. Everything else left her mind. She forgot about the goats. She forgot about her brother. All that mattered was the ball, the beautiful shimmering ball. Soon she was chasing it as it drifted across the slope. Every time sister got close, the ball drifted a little further off. Fortunately, brother looked up and saw sister. Where are you going? he shouted. But she couldn't hear. Her ears were filled with the song the ball was singing. Brother took off after sister. He followed her day and night. He never gave up. Though she didn't hear him, didn't see him, she didn't know he was there. Finally, the ball came to a stop on the witch's mountain. Ah, sister said, stretching out her arms and picking up the ball. Pop! The ball burst like a bubble. All at once, the world came crashing in on sister. Where am I? She said, wrapping her skinny arms around herself. I'm cold. She began to cry. Brother rushed up. I've been chasing you for days, he said. What happened? Sister sobbed. You were chasing the witch's ball, brother said. You forgot everything else. You didn't even hear me when I called. I'm so sorry, sister said. We have to get you out of the cold, brother said. He found a tiny cave out of the wind and let sister crawl in. After you rest, we'll find our way home. Brother sat outside the cave. He knew it would be dangerous to sleep. He knew he should keep watch, but he was tired. At first, he propped his eyes open with his fingers, but he couldn't stay awake. He fell into an exhausted sleep. Inside the cave, Sister was dreaming she was at home next to a warm fire. Her mother was singing as she brushed her hair. Sister felt the brush sliding through her long, silky hair. But the brush was getting tangled. Ouch, Sister said, waking up. She tried to shake her head, but she couldn't. While Sister slept, 
The witch had bound her hair into the mountain, woven it tight into the rock. Brother, she cried. Brother leapt up. He raced for sister but couldn't get through. The witch had placed an invisible wall between them. Brother threw himself against the barrier, but he was driven back. He tried to climb up, but he could find no way over. He tried to find his way around the sides, but he could find no end. He sank down and looked at sister pinned to the mountain, tears rolling down her cheeks. Just then, a soft wooing sound overhead. He saw the snowy wings of an owl, the witch's pet. Soon we will have them, the owl hooted. They will freeze to death. So long as they do not find fire, the witch whispered from a snowy ledge, her beak nose sharp in the moonlight. And then the pair disappeared. Brother, sister called sharply, did you hear what the witch said? We have to get fire. How, brother despaired. You must leave and go down onto the plain. I can't leave you. You must, sister said, otherwise there's no hope. So brother stumbled to his feet and set off as fast as his legs could carry him. He was tired, but the thought of sister's eyes gave him strength. He had only walked a few minutes when a strong condor flew overhead. The bird seemed to beckon him on. It's a sign, he thought, and followed the bird. The bird led him to a stone cottage. Brother knocked, but there was no answer. He called, but there was no response. In that empty country, it was the custom for travellers to respectfully enter a home in time of need. So Brother went in. He built up the fire, swept the floor, brought in fresh wood and water. When he put a load of logs down next to the fireplace, he was surprised to see an old man sitting in a chair. I know why you're here, the old man said. You need fire to rescue your sister from the witch. How did you know, brother asked. I know the witch's ways, the old man said. Hurry. There's not much time before she freezes to death. The old man whistled, and a large flamingo with long legs and a long beak entered the house. The old man stuck a stick into the fire, lit it, and handed it to the bird. Fly, my beauty, the old man said, and make haste for a human life is at stake. The bird flew away, and brother raced after. Together the two hurried back across the dark plains. As the bird flew, the stick burned. It burned faster and faster as the flames came closer and closer to the bird's beak. Still the flamingo held on, flying as fast as he had ever flown, though the heat was searing his feathers and charring his beak. At last they arrived at the witch's mountain. Brother dropped to his knees and frantically scratched through the snow until he gathered a small pile of grasses and sticks. The flamingo opened his beak and dropped the fiery stick onto the pile. The tinder caught fire. Brother tended the small fire carefully, blowing on the tiny flames, feeding them with dried twigs. The fire blazed high until there was a huge explosion. The witch's mountain blew apart and the spell was broken. The icy witch's power was gone. She was nothing any longer. Sister rushed into brother's arms. Thank you, thank you. Sister turned to the flamingo. Its feathers were glowing from the heat of the fire. To this day, the flamingo is rosy pink. Thank you for your sacrifice and your courage. She placed her cold hands on the bird's singed breast and the fiery heat drained away. And so it was that sister, with the help of brother, the old man and the flamingo, broke the witch's spell. After she and brother rested, they found their way home. They told the villagers that the witch would never again lure children away. In time, brother and sister both married, built homes next to each other, and had many children. They lived long and well, and were loved by all. 
for they had driven the witch and her magic ball out of the land. This is a story adapted by Joan Stockbridge from the Chubut province in southern Argentina. I love this story. It's so beautiful, deep and resonant. And like many of these traditional tales, it draws you in and has you travel on a journey with the characters and if you allow it within yourself. The children and the young girl get mesmerized by the witch's beautiful ball that the story says shimmers and glistens and is prettier than any of the ordinary things in that land. Isn't this so true for all of us, that we get mesmerized and distracted by beautiful things? I see so many business owners get drawn into the newest device or the next interesting program or the next tactic that is offered with all the bells and whistles that online marketing can offer. We sometimes call it shiny object syndrome, where we're drawn to that next thing like chasing the witch's ball rather than stay focused on the strategy we've committed to and the path we've already chosen. As Sister chases the magic ball, it also reminds me of what it feels like when we focus so totally on one thing. It's like the flow state when we access our creativity and follow our vision. It's a place where we don't notice time. Time passes differently. Many people strive to attain this flow state as if creativity can only exist there where often we can simply schedule creativity. Many writers speak of this. I remember watching an interview with J.K. Rowling, the creator of the Harry Potter series. She was asked by a young girl, do you wait until you're inspired to write? And J.K. Rowling said to her, if I had waited until I was inspired, then I would have written seven pages instead of seven books. I think the most interesting connotation of the magic ball in the story is that of addiction. Sister, as she follows her desire, is caught up in the experience and neglects everything else. She sees nothing, hears nothing, and ignores the rest of her life. I think many entrepreneurs get quite addicted to their work, their vision, their business, and it can lead to a blindness and getting quite lost. When you love what you do, you can ignore other parts of your life, and that can lead to imbalance and confusion. The truth is, I can really relate to this. I've always struggled to balance the passion I have for my work with the needs of the rest of my life, whether it's sleep or exercise, or even spending more time with my family. It's a good reminder in the story, when the ball pops, the high is gone, the world crashes in on her and she's left destitute and confused. The same can easily happen in business. If we get too lost in the work, too distracted from our lives, we stand to lose a lot. The role of brother in the story is very interesting. He's determined to get sister back, and will follow her wherever he needs to so that he doesn't lose her. I think it's a beautiful reminder to see if we have someone like this in our lives, someone who plays this role. It's worth finding out who is that person in your life who would take care of you, go to all lengths to find you and bring you home, who will remind you who you are and be there no matter what. And if you do have someone like this, tell them how grateful you are for them. I also love how Brother stops at the old man's house and, as is custom, he does chores before he lights the fire. He was wise because in showing his respect for the house, the old man appeared and, understanding his plight, was ready to help. This respect for tradition and courtesy to another's home is a reminder of how much this matters. It's often forgotten in our haste to reach our goals, but we should make time for the small courtesies. Thank you note. The birthday wish. They may take you away from your real work, but they build trust and relationships 
And as my father always would say, what goes around comes around. There are so many layers of meaning in the story, it's just so rich. But there's one thing that really bothers me about the story. It's the portrayal of the witch as evil. It's such an old, tired and harmful depiction that minimizes the very real persecution, burnings of wise women in the past. Just like them, this witch was destroyed by fire. I wish I could say that this portrayal of the wisdom of women as evil can only be found in fairy tales. We still see such a skewed view of women in business, politics, and all across society. Isn't it time that we lost the view of the witch as something evil? Perhaps we need more witches, wise women who have amazing powers that can benefit us all. Perhaps there's another way to think about this witch in the story who eats the heart of children. Maybe she eats the heart because she is icy cold. And what she really wants is warmth and love and understanding and innocence. She needs a heart. But like many women, she doesn't know how to ask for what she wants, and so destroys any possibility of getting it. I like to imagine a different ending. When the fire burns to warn the sister and destroys the mountain, this frees the witch as well as the sister. Finally, the witch feels warmth and love. Finally, she can feel her own heart and her own innocence. In the years that follow, she can often be found in the village surrounded by the children, all of them playing with her magic ball. Unlike the other one, this one never leads anyone away from home, but brings them all together in joy, brings them home to themselves and to each other. I'm Lisa Bloom, and you've been listening to Once Upon a Business. You can find out more about me at story-coach.com. That's story-coach.com. Once Upon a Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Course Lab. This episode of Once Upon a Business was produced by Cynthia Lam. Mishi Lance and Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Inney is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. To catch the episodes that are coming up on Once Upon a Business, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It really does help us out. Thank you. We'll see you next time.